Hello, and thank you for joining Incoming, where I help you sort through the crap that life throws at you and tear down the roadblocks that you put in your own way. Hello, and welcome to Incoming with Margie Avery. You know, I'm going to share with you some events that happened in my family in the last week and how they pertain to the message that I'm always sending you guys, things that I've learned in life. My mother, who is 85, for some time now has been not oxygenating properly. And my mother suffers from terrible anxiety and depression. Uh, The two seem to go hand in hand. But she's not the only one, a lot of people, and I think it's become sort of rampant in our society for any number of reasons. But the the point for today is she had chosen to just keep ignoring this problem, ignoring this problem, and despite her doctor's instructions that if her oxygenation went below, I believe it was 90, that she needed to go to the hospital. Because what this means is that your blood is not carrying enough oxygen for your organs. So this is very serious. But my mom, you know, none of us likes to go to the emergency room. Of course we don't. It's stressful, it's long, and especially now with COVID still going on, it's even worse. But the anxiety that it brings her at the thought of even going is is too much for her to handle. So she chooses to ignore things like this that could cause her, you know, she could die. So finally, it got to the point where my mother was walking through the house, barely able to walk literally six feet without nearly passing out. So I finally berated her. I had my entire family contacting me and hassling me about somehow I was supposed to magically make her do this thing she didn't want to do. So we finally got her to go to the to the doctor, and long story short, she ended up at the hospital, and she ended up in there for six days. She had, they called it tracheal bronchitis, which basically is uh, what we think of as pneumonia, is just the area, it's in your lungs. When it's tracheal, it's an infection in your bronchial tubes. And luckily, thank God, the staff was able to get her in and treat it with antibiotics, and she's home, and she is doing much better. But what I kept thinking about through all of this is that I have a great amount of care for people who deal with mental illnesses, with with problems, being mentally unwell. But my mother has is a person who has made a lifetime habit of one time being a very independent person and wanting to maintain that independence but not recognizing that she's at a stage in life where that's not going to be that easy to do. You have to change your lifestyle a bit. You need aids in your home, meaning, you know, handrails to get in the shower and things of this nature. And my mother has been very resistant to these things because she cannot get past seeing this as a loss of independence. And we keep trying to tell her it's the opposite. It's ways to help you maintain your independence. But finally, it came down to a point, and I think this happens with many people in your life, and this is something that I want to share with you because I don't, 
I know that I'm not the only person dealing with this in, for any number of reasons. Anyone in your life that may need assistance, anyone in your life that depends on you for help, it is okay to draw a line for yourself. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you're not caring for them. It means that if, you know, there's a, a thing I read years ago and was taught this in survival techniques that the first rule is if something bad is going on, there are going to be some bad results and you can't completely control that. But if you don't make it, you can't save anyone else. So the first rule is to save yourself so that you might even be available to help someone. In other words, to give you a silly analogy, if you're on a boat and it's sinking, there's already a bad event happening. There could be some loss of life. There could be some injury. You're not that powerful. You can't stop the fact that the boat is sinking. But what you need to do first is get a life preserver on yourself and find a way to save yourself. Otherwise, you won't be available to help anybody else. So the grand gesture of grabbing people and helping people before you help yourself is actually counterintuitive to survival skills. So in life, when you have people like my mother who are insistent upon doing it their way, you have to draw a line. And, and I did that with my mom. Um, and my mom is someone that you have to come on very strong in order to get her attention because she has a very strong personality. So I did come on strong. Some people might think it was unkind, but I know my mom, and this is the only thing that registers with her. Hopefully the people that you're dealing with in your life are not that quite difficult. But I made the point to her that you are free to make any choice you want. You can do whatever you want. You can live however you please. But when the result of those decisions impacts me, meaning I have to swoop in and fix it, or takes my time, my energy, my efforts, I have a right to have a say in those decisions. And if you don't give me that right, then I'm out. You're going to have to deal with this start to finish because you do not have a right to make decisions for me. Meaning, if you're barely breathing and you refuse to go to the hospital, don't call me every five minutes and tell me that your pulse oximeter says that you're at 60. There's no need for me to get anxiety hearing that constantly. And I said to her, just those words, do not tell me your numbers every hour if you don't intend to do anything about it. It's obviously stressing you out. It's obviously scaring you. So why don't you just face that fear get to the doctor, get to the hospital, and deal with this thing. So that is my example. But it applies in so many areas of life. And I think one of the reasons that many of us feel so stressed is we allow people to do this to us in so many different ways. And we, you know, they, they come at you and it's so strong and so insistent. And maybe it's a boss and maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, a child, a, a spouse, partner, we need to learn to stop for a moment and recognize that their insistence does not become a directive in our life. They are free to go ahead and do whatever it is they're intending to do. But if it involves us, we don't have to participate. Now, 
obviously, just to be clear, this doesn't apply to young children who are under your purvey. In that case, it's just draw the line, no. You aren't of age. You don't pay your bills. I still make decisions for you, and the answer is no. But we're talking about grown people who have the free will. But if they need your money, your time, your resources in order to do this thing that they want to do, you have a right to say no. You have a right to draw a line and not participate. And of course, they're going to get mad and angry and play all these emotional manipulation games on you. You don't have to participate in that either. There are so many people in life who are living dysfunctional lives. I have friends with kids that are dealing with addiction problems. I know people in not healthy relationships, you know, a little mental manipulation going on. People who, whatever, for any number of reasons, they're in some difficult situations with people close to them in their lives. And the consistent pattern I see is these people that are not truly functioning members of society that scream and yell and holler about how, I got it, I got it, I got it, I can handle this, I can handle this. But when you really look in every case, they are only so-called, quote-unquote, handling it because someone else is living a proper grown-up life and somehow financing or giving them the ability to live this nonsense. If you have someone in your life who has a drug problem, can't keep regular employment, really can't keep up their responsibilities, but they're insistent that they're going to keep living the rock and roll lifestyle and they're going to do all these things, that's great. But when they're coming to you for money every five minutes or they need a ride somewhere or some other support from you, this needs to be thrown in their face that, no, you're really not making it work. You're really not doing it. You're only, it's only working because I'm being responsible and keeping whatever it is you need available to keep doing your nonsense. So we're not doing them a favor by participating. And they will throw everything at you that you don't love them, that you don't care about them, that you're not supporting them, that you know, you're not appreciating where they're coming from. They will cry and they will be mean and they will be vile, but you don't have to participate. Even if it's your kid, even if it's your mom like mine. I love my mom very much, and I have, long story short, I was put in the position of being more the parent than the child starting in my late teens. And again, we talk about these things all the time on here, if you follow me, and this is one of my big life experiences, and it's a great example of what I tell you guys all the time. My mother was married for 23 years to my dad, and my dad had an affair and he chose to leave with this woman. And my mother was devastated. He left in a very bad way. He took all of their money. He left her with nothing in the bank account. He left her with a used car. And she, in those days, women really got screwed over in divorces badly. Um, sorry, guys, but it's the truth. Men have had the upper hand in divorces for hundreds of years, so I'm sorry that you all feel like it's being stuck to you now, but you got away with this for years, and this is just a fact. Back then, 
men almost voluntarily paid alimony, and it wasn't much. He wasn't required to pay any child support to me. The money that he did pay her for a three-year period, he got that money back off the top when they sold their house. So he really, the net result was he paid nothing. So he left my mother in a very shitty way, and he left her financially ruined, even though they had whatever they had they'd built together for 23 years. I understand the position she was in. This was at a time in the United States when the divorce rate was creeping up 50% or more. And the first real job I had, I worked with, I was the youngest one there, I worked with a lot of women my mom's age. They'd all been left in the same type of circumstances. And they went out and they found jobs and it was really tough on them to learn these skills in the workplace. But they did it. My mom didn't. My mom sunk into a depression. She chose to let that divorce define her from, I believe she was about 45 years old till now at 85. She depended on me and I realized looking back, this was my choice. I didn't have to do it. I could have gone on with my life and left her floundering. My heart wouldn't let me do that. So I took on the role as a parent and I had to manage the household and, and manage her and all these things that I didn't even know how to do because the two people that were supposed to finish raising me and teach me those things had just gone off. My mother went over, over the deep end, over the divorce, and my father went off with his new life with his new wife. Well, she wasn't his wife for another 10 years, but he went off with his new life with her. And he left me in a position where, I mean, I, I didn't even have a phone number to contact my dad most of the time. And the one time that we did have a discussion about the struggle I was having, he looked at me and said, well, that's your choice. You know, and it was very cold, but he was right. In retrospect, I did have a choice. I could have left my mom to figure it out and gone on with my own life. And I, I chose not to do that. And it was a struggle, but it, it this I still stand by that decision in my heart for me morally that felt right the right like the right thing to do and I think that I would still make that same decision but I learned a lot along the way about drawing lines with people like that because I do feel for my mom and I do understand I was there I know what happened to her but the lessons here are I hope that sharing some of this with you helps life changing events can't be helped. The end of a 23-year marriage, you know, these things happen. Um, your financial support being pulled away from you, whatever it may be, from your parents or your spouse or something, that, or losing your job that you've had a long time and having to find a new way to make it. It's These things happen. It's life. And they're tough, but you can get through them. And it's like anything, any other challenge you face in life, it seems insurmountable, but you just get out there and start taking steps to, you know, in whatever direction, and you're going to make mistakes, and some things are going to work, and some things are not, but eventually you will get through. It might take years, but you will get through it, and things will improve. But, you know, with my mother, you know, who knows, if I'd stepped out I have a feeling that my mother would have just wound up with some very unhealthy relationship with with a very bad man just to get by. I, I don't think she 
uh, had the the mental capacity where she was at with her depression to have made a better decision, to have learned a lesson. But for the rest of us, you can. You know, and if you find yourself in a place where you really, you know, you're where my mom was and you, you can't get out of the depression and you can't find the mental capacity to do that, please find a professional to talk to. And even that takes a little work to find a good one, but look and find the help. Do not allow yourself to be in a situation where you're dependent on a person who's unhealthy for you just to pay your bills. And that's what it really comes down to financially. It's cut through the crap. We need to pay bills. We need to have a roof over our head and food and transportation. And when you can't mentally get yourself where you need to be to supply those for yourself, we often land with bad people. Because those bad people are, you know, they see you as vulnerable and, and they see someone that they can, okay, I'll pay the bills and now I own you. And I can manipulate you and mistreat you and do all these things. That is typically what you're going to find because you're desperate and you go for the first person you find. And that's usually the first people that pop up because they're out there looking for people in that kind of a vulnerable situation. So if you are there, find some help. Not everybody has someone like myself to step in that's not, that has good intentions for you, that's going to devote so much of their life to helping you. And for me, I managed to find a happy medium to have, you know, to still live my life and do my things, but I dealt with an unimaginable amount of aggravation in the middle, trying to keep my mom away from bad relationships where she was trying to uh, replace the husband my dad had been with men that had no intentions of being that kind of man. They were very bad people and they were very bad situations. But, you know, if you wonder where I learned some of these things that I share with you guys, th th that's a huge chunk of my story. From 16 years old on, I had to be the parent in many ways. And it was a very chaotic situation. And I had to learn to manage money and rent apartments and deal with life without, you know, at 16, I wasn't done. No one had fully taught me these things. And the two people that were supposed to teach me were gone. So I had to learn it the really, really hard way. And I'm, you know, these are the things that I'm going to share with you as we go along. These are the kinds of stories that I'm going to share with you The the mistakes I made along the way out of desperation, being financially hard up, those kinds of things. And life, you know, Times change, people don't. So even though we're in a little different age technologically and things like that, I promise you the things I've experienced are going to resonate with you because when you're hard up for cash, when your back is against the wall, that is the same in human nature from when time began till now. And the emotions you have during it are the same since time began till now. So... This lesson is, you know, what I just recently went through with my mom. It's all the same thing. Don't, don't allow the stress that these other people are experiencing in your life. Their urgency does not have to become your urgency. And interesting fact, when these, you know, these people in, that, that behave this way, on a certain level, they know these things. Because I, when I, when I put my mom to it and said, look, you can choose to, to do whatever you want to do that you're right. That's your choice. You choose to do whatever you want to do. 
But if you want my help, if you want my participation, if you need me to be a part of this, then it's going to kind of have to be my way because your way is not working. And I don't want to have to deal with cleaning up the mess that I know is going to result from the decisions you're making. And you know what? She kind of snapped out of it and was like, well, okay. And I was very clear to her and respectful that I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. You can do whatever you want to do. But your house has to be kept at a certain cleanliness standard. And if you don't feel like doing that, then we need to get someone in to help you do that. And you can afford the help. It's not like you need a live-in housekeeper, but maybe you need somebody to come once a week and do the cleaning you can't do because I can't actually come and do that all the time. And at one point, my mother actually looked at me and said, but I mean, at this point, I'm, I've been going eight hours a day for the last three or four days since she got out of the hospital, cleaning the house, getting it to a level of cleanliness that it needs to be at, supervising her, making sure that she's taking proper care of herself, doing her laundry and getting, you know, some home aid service and things temporarily set in place and being there with her so that she doesn't run them out of the house. Because three years ago, my mother had a TIA and she was given occupational therapy at home and respiratory therapy at home and some things that really would have been helpful to her. And my mother just managed to get rid of these people in three weeks. And for those of you out there that are, you know, have had to become parents for your parents, which is a big problem in society now, I can tell you that, you know, these companies, when the person who's in their right mind tells them, I don't want you here anymore, they legally are not supposed to stay. But if you are present and you let them know that the family knows how this person is and we understand and we don't want you to leave and that you're going to work with them, there are ways they can get around it. And again, none of this is intended to imprison somebody or to take away their rights. It's you know, dragging them kicking and screaming like a child into a pediatrician's office. You know, you're dragging them into participating with these things that will help them stay independent. That's the whole point. So, you know, this time I've made a point of being around when these people come so that I can have those kinds of conversations with them. And they know that I'm on board, that I'm not going to sue you if my mom tries to kick you out and you know, you don't do that. Also to make my mom pay attention and focus and act right and listen to these people and participate. And it's a real struggle. But I've been putting this time in and I've been doing this, but my mom looked at me and said, well, I like you being here. Why can't you be here three days a week? And I said, mom, because I'm 57 years old myself and I have my own house to take care of and I have my own family and I have my own things that I have to do that, you know, I have a dog that's 18 years and almost nine months old. And he's in pretty good shape, but he needs extra help. And I also have a right, as strange as it may seem to her and many people like her in our lives, to have some time to myself. Um, and, you know, that tells you something right there with people in this mindset that you have to justify your own existence and your own care to them it tells you a lot about where they are mentally. You know, 
in their mind, they truly think, why can't you devote a little more time to me? Why can't you do a little bit more for me? And it's like, okay, because I'm human and have a life to live just like you do. And I have a right to my things too. And that doesn't mean I don't love you and I don't care for you. But it might be questioned, well, how much you care for me because that isn't even entering your mind. But I took this stand and I drew a line. And I know that my mom is cared for. I know that she's okay. I know that the things I'm pushing her to do will ultimately benefit her to remain independent. But I find myself with a lot of people like this in my life. And like I said I, earlier, I know a lot of people who do. And there is, you know, just for your own mental well-being, if you have people in your life, I've had bosses do this. They want you to take on the needs of the company as if it's, your own. And it is incredibly stressful and it's too much responsibility and it's too much to ask of a person. This is not in fact my company. I do not in fact have to devote myself to it like I would my children or something. I mean, some of these people in companies have really drank the Kool-Aid. Like, I don't know what they think they're going to get. Lots of pie-eyed promises have been made that never come true. You know, you have some people that, you know, they do get the brass ring, they make it to a certain point in the company, but, you know, how, out of, you know, the one person who becomes the director of something or on the board of something, out of how many thousands of employees have come and gone, you know, think about that. Do your job. That's what you're required to do, to do your job, to do it well, but not to devote your life to it. You know, that is the same kind of behavior that I've been talking about. It's someone that is making you feel obligated to give an unreasonable amount of your life to them, whether it be a job, a spouse, a child, a friend, some other family member. It's all unreasonable. You have one life to live and you have a right to enjoy it. And there is a balance between being completely uncaring and going, not my problem, going to go live my life. I don't care if you're sleeping in a ditch. And having no life and devoting 100% of your time to these people. There is a middle ground. And it's tricky, but you can find it. So that is my big message for this week. And I've shared a lot with you. I hope some of this stuff resonates. I hope it helps you. We're going to be touching on this stuff more and more and more because that's really what incoming is all about. The incoming crap in your life. And... You know, that big warning that goes out, incoming, take cover, jump in a foxhole. I'm teaching you how to jump in a foxhole, where those foxholes are. How to make some of these things that seem like you can't figure out how to deal with them manageable in your life. So there's some stuff to think about. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for joining in. I hope you join me for the next episode. Please click and follow. In the meantime, have a good day. Enjoy the rest of your day.